1694 shows it very much as the tourist may see it today. It was built soon after 1600 and is, roughly speaking, very much like an English house of that period in respect of material, uh, red brick with stone facings, and style. The man who built it was a scion of the great house of de la Gardie, and his descendants possess it still. De la Gardie is the name by which I will designate them when mention of them becomes necessary. They received Mr. Raxall with great kindness and courtesy, and pressed him to stay in the house as long as his researches lasted. But preferring to be independent, and mistrusting his powers of conversing in Swedish, he settled himself at the village inn, which turned out quite sufficiently comfortable, at any rate during the summer months. This arrangement would entail a short walk daily to and from the manor house of something under a mile. The house itself stood in a park, and was protected we should say grown up, with large old timber. Near it you found the walled garden, and then entered a close wood fringing one of the small lakes with which the whole country is pitted. Then came the wall of the demesne, and you climbed a steep knoll, a knob of rock, lightly covered with soil, and on the top of this stood the church, fenced in with tall dark trees. It was a curious building to English eyes, the nave and aisles were low, and filled with pews and galleries. In the western gallery stood the handsome old organ, gaily painted, and with silver pipes. The ceiling was flat, and had been adorned by a seventeenth-century artist, with a strange and hideous last judgment, full of lurid flames, falling cities, burning ships, crying souls, and brown and smiling demons. Handsome brass coronae hung from the roof. The pulpit was like a doll's house, covered with little painted wooden cherubs and saints. A stand with three hourglasses was hinged to the preacher's desk. Such sights as these may be seen in many a church in Sweden now, but what distinguished this one was an addition to the original building. At the eastern end of the north aisle, the builder of the manor house had erected a mausoleum for himself and his family. It was a largish, eight-sided building, lighted by a series of oval windows, and it had a domed roof, topped by a kind of pumpkin-shaped object rising into a spire, a form in which Swedish architects greatly delighted. The roof was of copper externally, and was painted black, while the walls, in common with those of the church, were staringly white. To this mausoleum there was no access from the church. It had a portal and steps of its own on the northern side. Past the churchyard, the path to the village goes, and not more than three or four minutes bring you to the inn door. On the first day of his stay at Robeck, Mr. Raxall found the church door open, and made those notes of the interior which I have epitomized. Into the mausoleum, however, he could not make his way. He could, by looking through the keyhole, just describe that there were fine marble effigies and sarcophagi of copper, and a wealth of armorial ornament which made him very anxious to spend some time in investigation. The papers he had come to examine at the manor house proved to be of just the kind he wanted for his book. There were family correspondence, journals, and account books of the earliest owners of the estate, very carefully kept and clearly written, full of amusing and picturesque detail. The first de la Gardie appeared in them as a strong and capable man. Shortly after the building of the mansion there had been a period of distress in the district, and the peasants had risen and attacked several chateaux, and done some damage. 
The owner of Robeck took a leading part in suppressing the trouble, and there was reference to executions of ringleaders and severe punishments inflicted with no sparing hand. The portrait of this Magnus de la Garde was one of the best in the house, and Mr. Raxall studied it with no little interest after his day's work. He gives no detailed description of it, but I gather that the face impressed him rather by its power than by its beauty or goodness. In fact, he writes that Count Magnus was an almost phenomenally ugly man. On this day, Mr. Raxall took his supper with the family and walked back in the late but still bright evening. I must remember, he writes, to ask the sexton if he can let me into the mausoleum at the church. He evidently has access to it himself, for I saw him tonight standing on the steps and, as I thought, locking or unlocking the door. I find that early on the following day, Mr. Raxall had some conversation with his landlord. He's setting it down at...